you know, there's all these kind of benefits that you don't often think about. It's always about losing weight. It's about good, looking good and feeling lean. And that, that's all nice things. But there's so many more benefits to exercise. So many. If you're in a good place mentally, your children flourish, your relationship with your partners improve. So these are the things I always, I bang on about all the time now. It used to be body coach, Joe Wicks, lean in 15, get, get in shape for summer. And I never mention that anymore. It's always the non-scale victories, you know, not about your weight. It's about how you feel. And that's why I talk about that in the book in the introduction, you know, all over the app, all over YouTube. It really is because I've just shifted my mindset because that's what people need to hear. That's what truly motivates you. Not losing weight, if it was a big enough motivator, we'd all be walking around lean all year round. Right. If, if being ripped was the motivator that worked, we'd all be feeling great in shorts and t-shirts all year round. But yeah. it doesn't really motivate people enough. It, it can for some. But if you focus on all those mental health, the energy, your sleep, your digestion, that's what's going to pull you back to regular exercise and good food. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I think that it has changed so much the way that you promote now and that you have to keep coming back to like, what is the outcome we're going for? What's the point? What what are we doing with this? Why are we doing this thing? Because I can get really easily distracted by press or a show or like a cool moment or picture, but I'm like, but did it sell any books or did it increase your podcast downloads? Or that's a, that's something over the last like five years that has really helped me to grow in terms of revenue and the business and the audience is just to keep coming back to the why. Because I think press can really easily become kind of like a fake example of whether or not you're successful. Yeah, of course. No, I agree. I've definitely, I mean, I'm in the US as well, like I'm much more unknown here. So it's really different in the UK. Most of my success, all my book sales are in the UK. Right. So I never really sort of transitioned over here, but I like that. It's nice yeah. just having a bit more privacy yeah. and with the kids and yeah. we can walk along the beach and, you know, yeah. it's completely anonymous. Yeah, so well, nice. I'm sure too, like, so Kez's sister, when I told him you were coming on, he was like, oh, you got to tell Joe, which is the sister. And so I was texting her today. I'm like, I'm doing this interview. She was like, oh my God, is he a dick? You have to tell me if he's a dick. Like, I want him to be a nice guy. I want him to be a good guy. I'm oh, like, I hope you don't think I, I'm a dick. <laughs> no, so far so good. Like, it's going well. No, but I just, I, it is so interesting when you have massive success in one place and then you go somewhere else first of all you're planting seeds right like yes. the tree that you're planting right now you might not see until next year or the year after but to your point it's great to be able to come someplace and like not have to stress in the same way that you would maybe back yeah. home yeah, how did you get into this well i started out as a personal trainer just like in a really? park you know one-to-one -one oh, clients wow just the, I just love fitness. So it's more about just helping, you know, mums and dads get fit and get in shape. But I never had this ambition to do cookbooks. That was yeah. something that came a lot later. But I think it was just um, Instagram opened up video in 2014. And I could see like people sharing sort of video recipes and things. So I started just shouting around the kitchen, throwing food in the pan and sort of doing my own sort of style on recipes. Um, and it was called Lean in 15. That was like a 15 second video. 
to show a healthy sort of lean recipe. And that became the first title of the first book. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. But it's definitely been an accidental success for me. It was never like a That's planned... Cool. I'm not like this marketing guy who's built an audience. It was more just like, I just love sharing fitness content. I love sharing recipes. And I'm really passionate about, more so now, about mental health and getting people moving because, you know, through the pandemic, I realized that people were struggling. And so I did those PE workouts that your family and friends might know about yeah, in the UK. Yeah, And, that's and that was of, huge, right? That like, your, your audience expanded in such a major way during that time. Is that right? Yeah, so I was doing lots of school visits. I was doing a lot of work with children. And I was already like testing the kind of method of just like these quick sort of, fun sort of dynamic sort of children's workouts if you like and then when the lockdown was announced I just got my camera set up in the living room I said right I'm going to go live on Monday morning not really knowing what was going to happen and there was almost a million live connections like live streams wow, on YouTube because everyone was just like um, we're all craving something yeah they all sort of just tried it out and then yeah. it just it sort of went on for 18 weeks so I think it just took the mission to the next level but I'm still doing a lot of work now with young children I go to schools and do a lot of tours and things so cool. my main passion is really getting people moving for their mental health yeah. Um, and then tied into that, obviously, is, is the feel-good food because, you know, food really affects our mood. It affects our gut health. It's so much, you know, I'm really passionate about helping people fall in love with cooking because we live in a world where everyone's so busy, everyone doesn't have, believes they don't have time to exercise and cook. But when you just get the basics right, like sleep, movement, and cooking, like, and you yeah. fall in love with those things, yeah, you can start to sort of live a lot healthier and happier. Yeah. Did you grow up with that knowledge or was that something that you had to learn? I grew up in a quite quite a chaotic home life so when I was a child my mum and dad both suffered with mental health issues so Same. I think it's uncovered a little bit for me now I did a documentary in the UK around it and I think about their mental health or all mental health it was about parental mental health and how like when we should talk to the children about it because my dad was a heroin addict and I just mm. thought he was a victim of, of that but there was obviously a lot of childhood trauma that he went through um, and my mum was um, she had extreme OCD she was cleaning the house all the time and wow. she also had eating disorders so I think that kind of chaotic home life definitely led me down towards a physical kind of route where I just wanted to move my body out to shake out all that kind of fear and anxiety. So for me, like PE at such a young age, sort of six, seven years old, you know, doing PE and physically exerting myself was like the was the, like the way I could kind of deal with those feelings. So I fell in love with exercise at quite a young age, but my knowledge obviously came later on just through reading and studying and a lot of pod, like podcasts I learned a lot from. But ultimately you just got to keep reading and learning because there's so much. It's always changing, isn't it? And there's so many yeah. different kind of opinions. But my philosophy is just about, about balance. It's not like remove this, restrict that. It's all about just like basically just getting in the kitchen, yeah. falling in love with cooking, having fun with it, getting the kids involved and trying to kind of just change the culture around food in your household because it's so easy to rely on convenience food and takeaways and deliveries. But really, if you strip that stuff away and you just get back to cooking, you know, you can start to lose weight and feel healthier and leaner and start to feel energized just from the food you eat. So yeah. It's really about lifestyle changes, I think, and trying to encourage and be a little bit of a positive kind of inspiration in the kitchen and obviously with the home workouts as well. Yeah. So it started with moving your body. Was that sports that you were doing? Was that you were doing actual workouts? Like, how did that begin for you? I think it was just mainly like PE classes in school. So when I was seven years old, I remember every class, I was really disruptive because I couldn't focus. I had so much going on. So I was the naughty kid and I was always kicked out and stuff. But when it came to sport and PE, they really, they loved me and they sort of said, we can harness your energy yeah. and we want you in class. So I think I had a really great relationship with my PE teachers. And so from that moment on, I actually said to myself, I'm going to one day be a PE teacher. That was my goal. And um, I think, yeah, just that was a really positive sort of shift in my life where rather than turn into, you know, drink and alcohol and drugs, like a lot of my teenage friends are doing, I was really into sport, really into exercise. And that started a kind of sort of direction for me in a positive path where I could just 
join a team, go to the gym, be active, look after my mental health. And it really helped me get through like those difficult, because I was so angry as a teenager, my dad's relapsing constant every year. It was like one minute you're clean, then you're there and you're not. And so for me, like the exercise and the sport was a real like crutch for me to hang on to. It kept Mm -hmm. me sane, I think. Well, it makes me wonder too, how often we're sort of diagnosing kids as bad or naughty and not trying to understand why. Obviously, as a seven-year-old boy, you're trying to grapple with whatever's going on in your home life. You're not bad. You're not wrong. You're just like, what the hell is happening? So it's interesting that we still today are like assigning labels to any child without sort of digging further to understand what's there. Yeah, definitely. I I hope it's different now, but obviously that was back in like 1985. So I just think back then, you know, teachers just saw kids as naughty. They didn't probably ask as much around what was going on at home and, you know, the parenting kind of dynamic. But ultimately, as a parent now, I've got three children. So I'm really passionate about helping, you know, kids enjoy exercise, be active. Because if you don't encourage children at a young age to fall in love with exercise and to actually be active, it's really hard getting teenagers into it. So yeah, you know, for me... It's just about the basics, you know, getting to sleep, moving, cooking, but getting the kids involved and not making it this complex thing that's kind of overwhelming. I think as parents, we are their role models. They learn from us. They watch us. They see us. And they're constantly like picking up on what we're doing. And what do you and your wife do to get the kids moving? We're very active. So today we were down at the, you know, the beach in Venice and we're learning to skateboard and cool. we do a lot of homework together. We're just trying to just trying to role model them. And I get the kids learning to cook with me. I, you know, I bring them into the kitchen and they're chopping and helping like wash the vegetables and things. And I think these are the basic life skills that as parents we can, you know, we don't have to put so much pressure on the academic stuff because the schools can kind of worry about that. But when it comes to like learning to cook and to be active and to have good sleep and good mental health, you know, that's something that as parents we can really impact. So I think I'm constantly sort of sharing content around fun activities you can do that aren't on an iPad because so many parents obviously rely on the iPad and sometimes that's okay. But for me, I want my kids to like be social, make eye contact and look up and I don't, you know, I don't give them an iPad yeah. because... We do painting, we like get t-shirts and we do tie-dye, like little activities. I'm kind of like an old school parent, I think, in that respect. Yeah. Where Do you feel like that happened because maybe you didn't have that when you were growing up? So you're trying to sort of bring it into your life now? Yeah, I think my my childhood was very chaotic, you know, especially with with an addict father because he was just, he was there and then when he was there, they were arguing. It was quite like an intense home life. So yeah, I want a calm, you know, stable environment and I think being creative and like painting and doing things that are slow like that that can really yeah. help the children yeah I'm really structured we can go out of the structure but I want the kids to know that we're getting up at the same time every day we're going to bed at the same time bath is here dinner's here all of these things because consistency is something I did not have as a child and not the same mental health challenges with my parents but they both had definite mental health challenges and it meant that I can never count on anything from one day to the next. So I find myself as a mom in a lot of ways creating the structure and the things that I wish I had had but didn't. Uh, yeah. So I just wondered if that is, is Yeah, showing for up sure. There. Like having yeah. the stability, it feels nice yeah. to just know that for me, because my dad was present but not really there. And sometimes it was like I couldn't rely on him. I couldn't trust him. He was so deceitful, like lying all the time. We have, just to correct it, we have a great relationship now. Like he's sober, he's clean, you know, we look oh, after each other and great. stuff. And, but at the time, I think for me now, I just want to be, you know, stable and be loyal and be present and be like, you know, really engaged in my children's life because my dad wasn't really around at that time. Were you scared at all of becoming a father because you didn't have maybe the example that you wanted? Or was that something that even 
entered your mind? I wasn't scared of being a father. I was actually really excited. I've always oh, cool. wanted to be a parent. and I've always wanted to have lots of kids. We talk about having like four or five kids. So I'm going to be catching up with you yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah. See if you guys can catch up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was definitely fearful of becoming an addict because my grandfather's an addict. My dad was an addict. There's a lot of addiction. And I thought if I try drugs or alcohol, I'm going to get hooked in and it's going to affect yeah. me. So I think it really frightened me as a young teenager. I really steered clear of that. And I think because I turned to exercise, that was the thing that I had sort of thing. Did... Do you feel like the addictive personality comes out in other ways? Like, does it show up? Did you ever, have you ever taken on something and been like, oh, I am addicted to this thing or? Um, I think you could say, yeah, I think exercise, I could say in a positive way, but I do. It's like yeah, I no, there it, are yeah. positive addictions that I think we have to sometimes gravitate to rather than going in a negative route. I think the two things I could say I'm addicted to is, is one, like physical exercise and just exerting myself. And two is probably, you know, helping people. I've been a carer from such a young age, like, you know, a young carer looking after my mum and dad and yeah. always worrying about them and them sort of arguing and trying to keep them both happy. So I think for me to give back and to help young people, to help families, I think that's quite addictive just to have life, to feel like I've got a purpose sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. that really, really is something that motivates me. And all, all for those lockdown workers, you know, 18 weeks of it, I was like... Every day or was it every Monday or...? I did it five days a week for, for 18 weeks. So I was exhausted, <laughs> but I just had this real sense of purpose. I was really helping people through a difficult time. And so... Yeah. I think that that connection to humans is quite important to me. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees. Period. Yep. That means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. So where did the idea for the new book come from? So I've done, I know you've sold millions of books as well. It's amazing. <laughs> I've actually done 11 books now. Oh, wow. That's which incredible. This is my 11th book. Yeah. So um, the first few books were obviously like more focused on, if I think back, it was called Lean in 15. So it's much more about physical, um, you know, losing weight and about getting strong. And that was great at the time. But my my philosophy and my kind of um, focus had changed a lot in the years because now I realize actually it's more than just losing weight. It's about feeling good. It's about, you know, your gut health. It's about your mental health. So the more I've kind of uncovered around that, the more I understand actually the food we put into our body, it's not just about losing weight. It really fundamentally changes how we feel. And, you know, all the serotonin and the gut, the gut, gut microbiome that I'm learning about, which is all kind of yeah. a bit sciencey. But I just kind of talk about feel good food. The title's feel good food. It's like yeah. we know when we have certain types of foods, like it brings you down, it brings your energy down. 
you feel bloated, you feel sluggish. So there's certain things we kind of know intuitively what what isn't good, for, you know, what isn't good for us. But not not everyone knows what healthy food is. So I've kind of made a hundred recipes, you know, whole foods, single ingredients, just nice and quick recipes that you and your family can enjoy. And it's been really well received that book. Yeah, it's got some good recipes. I, truthfully, I always get books in advance. I don't always have the time to go through. I went through the entire book because I knew you were coming, and I just like wanted to make sure that I had seen all the stuff. Oh, thank you. And I completely agree. It is, it's not like fake healthy. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes people will say this is, it'll be super healthy and it's like, well, my kids are never going to eat this. Or it'll be something that's saying that it's healthy and thoughtful, but it's really not. And I really found so many, I was like earmarking. Like there were so many recipes that I was like, we will actually make. And we made two. So we made the, um, the shrimp mango salad Thing, which I don't remember what it's called. That's all right. And, I forget the title. Right. A, I've done 1,100 recipes. I, so I have to forget the title. <laughs> and then we made the salad that was like feta, tomatoes, um, garbanzo beans. It was delicious. And the dressing on that one was fantastic. It had like toasted cumin seeds. It was so oh, wonderful. So, so yeah. are you a veggie, vegetarian yourself? I'm not. No, I love, I love meat. <laughs> yeah, I still, I'm, I'm kind of a bit more balanced, especially out here that the, ve- the vegan and veggie scene is so good here. So yeah. when I'm in LA, I eat a lot more veggie stuff, but I kind of just have a balance. Yeah, it's not like you don't have to be one fits, you know, it hasn't got yeah. to be keto or vegan or, you know, low carb. There's so many different ways of doing it. But ultimately, I just think you should enjoy your food, yeah. enjoy cooking. And like I said, I bring the kids in the kitchen. My daughter's only four years old. She's chopping up vegetables. Yeah. These are life skills that, you know, are so important. So 100%. I talk about, you know, bringing the family into it. And because a, a lot of parents just think kids eat kids food and parents eat adult food. But really, your children can learn to love food from a young age. They can enjoy all the flavors and spices that you eat. And they can have a palate that is really adventurous. Absolutely. I think we've got, at this point, you know, my oldest is 16, my youngest is six. I think I've got it down to a science of meals that everyone will eat, which is usually a protein, one or two veggies. And then I will usually do like a rice or a potato or something like that for them. And then I'll just eat the protein and the veggies and they'll have that extra carb. But at this point, like we've got it down what everyone can eat so that we're making sure it's a healthy meal, but we're also, I'm not going to make two meals. I'm yeah. not, I just refuse. It's I, perfect. It's, there's not enough time in the day. And I'm like, I'm not a short order cook. You've got to learn to eat what there is, I think. The kids have to learn to eat what there is, not yeah, you know, sure. like what they want you to make them. Well, my kids have always eaten really well. And everyone always says, oh, you're so lucky with Indy. And it will be different with Marley. You're so lucky with Marley. And now I'm weaning Lenny. And it's the same thing, you know. They don't have a choice. Like they eat with us. We eat as a family. And I think when you get into bad habits and you offer them alternatives and they know, well, if I say no to this, yes, yeah. I'm going to get some beans on toast or some noodles. Yeah. Then they just, they're just very clever. So you've got to just stand your ground. You know, you are the chef. And ultimately, I, I've always said to my kids, if you're not hungry, it's fine. You know, go and play for an hour or so. And, and norm, normally nine times out of ten, when they come back, right. they'll eat the food that you right. offer them. Absolutely. So it's just about being consistent with that, I think. Well, I think too, also figuring out for each of my kids, they all had different vegetables that they liked and they had other vegetables they didn't like. And I just embraced what they were into and didn't try and force. If you, if this one loves broccoli and that one hates it, great. You're going to have broccoli and you're going to have cucumbers and you're going to get the, but we're eating fresh veggies and that's what matters in this moment to me of just embracing the things they do like. My motto is you have to try it. You don't have to like it, but you have to try it. Yeah, that's what uh, we so, say. Just try it. I say yeah. try it once. If you fry it, you spit yeah. it out, it's fine, but yeah. you try it and they yeah, do just, normally have a go. Yeah, you never know. And to this day, I feel like their palates are more a wider variety and they're more into things because from the time they were little, I was just like, 
let's just, here, here's this thing. Here's, I never assumed that they would dislike something because it was food for adults. Well, my top tip around child's, um, especially with vegetables is, you know, when you like in the UK, we have like boiled Brussels sprouts. They taste like crap. Yeah. No one likes them. <laughs> you come to LA, they're like roasted. They've got soy sauce and like all yeah. these beautiful spices. So roasting vegetables completely changes them. So we roast cauliflower, broccoli, courgette, all these lovely food, like foods. And the kids, it's almost like crispy. So they really love them. So yeah, that's a good tip. Put some like cumin and some pre- paprika on them. And suddenly a boring like bit of cauliflower tastes really lovely and crispy and changes yeah. texture and they're really kind of adventurous with those sorts of foods now. How'd you get into um, developing recipes? How'd you figure that out? Well, so I was just literally in my flat in London, you know, I had my iPhone, this is in 2014, and I started sharing the videos just on Instagram. And so because I was doing a new recipe every day, I kind of thought, well, I've got to try something different. So I was constantly looking at blogs and different chefs and, you know, BBC Food or Jamie Oliver's website and just like getting an idea for a recipe. So I really taught myself to cook quite late. I was about 20... 25 26 when I started to cook so it wasn't like a young passion I had in the kitchen but the more I learned the more I sort of got confident so I'd cook a risotto one day the next day I'd try like a pasta dish and it really just inspired me so every now every time I do a book now I get like even if I'm in a restaurant here I'll I'll get some ideas I'll write it down go home so I'll try and make it a little bit myself yeah that's cool and what was the process of I've done two cookbooks it's a it's a slog to get from recipe to recipe testing to get it to the place where you're taking pictures and putting it all together. What does that feel like for you now versus what it felt like in the very beginning? It gets harder and harder as you go along because yeah, the <laughs> yeah. first book's like a hundred recipes. You go for a burger, you get a stir fry, you get, a, you know, like a couple of pasta dishes and you think, right, I've done 1100 recipes. How can I make it different? Yeah. It does get more challenging, but I think the key is just to you know, go with the trends at the time, you know, what's popped at the moment, what are people enjoying and what's kind of... What were some of the trends that were in this one? I think, well, I've tried, basically I've gone really with this one, I've kind of come full circle because I've gone through so many recipes that I've come back to the classics. So yeah. it's like a really good chicken pie in there. There's a, um, a caprese burger. like a There's chicken. a curry that looks really good. I really want to try. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, just there's, the there's curries. There's things that you necessarily wouldn't think, you know, are healthy, but when you cook them at home and you've got the ingredients yourself, like you can have a healthy homemade you know satay curry with you know coconut milk and, and, and nuts and stuff and it's 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 much easier much healthier than going to get like a you know a takeaway somewhere so Absolutely. I think my philosophy has always been around food that you love you know and cook it together as a family have sensible portion size you don't have to like I'm not into like calorie counting and things I think if you get the basics right you're consistent you will lean up you will lose weight and you will start to feel a lot more energized so it's really about just kind of that balance and a bit more flexible than a kind of strict diet regime if you yeah. like. Do you meal prep? Well, I actually work from home a lot, so I'm normally at home. I can just sort of yeah. make recipes at home. But if I'm out on the road, I'm traveling. Yeah, I try to prep for a couple of days, yeah. you know, like some overnight oats or a nice sort of big salad I take in a couple of lunch boxes. But that is the key. If you're someone who is commuting, you're always on the go. You've got to kind of meal prep to really kind of. It's um, so crucial. It's so crucial because I even think we had a trip. I don't know a few weeks ago or something. We had to go to New York, and. It seems so ridiculous, but when I'm really wanting to stay on plan and make sure I'm being consistent and what I pre-prepped all of my smoothies, like my morning smoothies, I did all dry ingredients because it was just easier. And I brought like a mini like bullet blender in my, and are you? Shut up, Jack. That's organized. But, but it was super, or- but I was, I don't know if you have those. I mean, right now you're on a press tour or whatever, but when I have intense work weeks, my food has to be on point, not because I'm trying to look a certain way, but because that food is how I'm going to feel a certain way. Make sure I don't have mental fog. It's I want my body to have energy. I don't want to hit a slump at this time. It, like 
you know, I didn't have to have caffeine this afternoon because I'm conscious of the food I'm putting in my body. And it might seem extreme, but I find the more I can make it myself, the more I'm in control of what the ingredients are. Because if I go get a smoothie, let's say in New York, it's going to taste delicious, but it's definitely going to have stuff in it that I wouldn't put in there. It's going to be sweeter. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be more than maybe I would do myself. So I'm a big fan of a prep. That's not like an obsessive controlling thing. It's just like you're basically just setting yourself up for a day of successful, you right. know, energy. You're going to have energy. You're going to feel good because I'm quite bad. Like I've got very little willpower. Like if I'm in a restaurant, I'll have a healthy breakfast, but then there's like a milkshake. I'll have you know, some ice cream. I'll have a burger and chips. You like know I, what? Boys suck because I just find I it really hard. Milkshake, I, would be like, I feel like all men can like indulge in that and it just it works fine for your body no definitely I, does I mean, it make if you I was, feel bad yeah like when i'm out here like i train hard but i'm trying to eat healthy but yeah i just think if you can meal prep especially on a long day or you're out for the whole day like yeah even if you take your lunch it's, it's one step ahead you're like one you know you're gonna get one point aren't you so it's, yeah and it's, it's kind of like your kids because i used to meal prep all the time and then i would just not i'd be like i can't i don't want this i want to go get takeout i want something fun but i found that if i get to the point that i'm really hungry I'll eat anything. Yeah. So better to have the thing that you've pre-packed and the salad and whatever and make sure it's right. Yeah, I'm the one the same. That when the food, as you get more hungry, your food choices just go down the drain, don't they? You end up eating the worst food. 100%. Foods. Are you a snacker? Or are you like a just, you know, three meals or whatever? How do you lay it out? Yeah, I find that that's one of the things that I think a lot of parents mis- mistake with the children. They say, you know, my children's not got a big appetite, but they're giving them snacks every couple of hours, you know, whereas right. my kids don't really snack. They just wait for lunch. They have a big meal and, they, you know, it fills them up. So I think... Snacking, just like adults and children, it can really change your appetite, especially when it comes to sitting down and having a proper meal. So I probably focus on three meals a day. You know, sometimes I have a snack, but ultimately I think for me, three big meals fills me up. And like if I'm really busy, sometimes I intermittent fast and just miss breakfast. No, I have mm-hmm. like two meals a day. But again, it just depends how I'm feeling. It depends on I'm training, how, you know, how active I am. And I just go with the flow, really. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash hosting. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. 
Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. What's training look like for you right now? At the moment, I'm training in Gold's Gym. So oh, yeah. I love it because Arnie's down there. There's all these bodybuilders. It's cool. quite inspiring for me as a young kid to sort of be around all these people. Um, but I mainly do strength training. So when I'm at the gym, I do strength stuff like heavy weights. But mm-hmm. my most of my sort of fitness content around YouTube and on my app is actually sort of home workout bodyweight stuff. So, you know, maybe it's one pair of dumbbells and a kettlebell, but most of it's just like bodyweight only, so it's more accessible. Um, so I do a lot of high-intensity training, sort of like 25-minute hit sessions, yeah. um, you know, proper hot, sweaty workouts. Because I found that, you know, people often, it's nice if you've got a nice home gym and you've got all these beautiful, you know, gym equipment, but a lot of people don't have access to that. So I tried to make it really accessible by just doing, basically you need a mat and a towel, maybe one pair of dumbbells and you're set and you're good to go. Yeah. Definitely. Have you always been into strength training and hit the way you are now, or is that something that you've developed later in life? I think I think with my so my YouTube channel is called the Body Coach TV. That's like the home of the sort of free content, if you like. So that's I started out doing like fifteen minute, twenty minute workouts, just body weight. Then I started to introduce dumbbells and things. But for me, I've always just um I've always combined hit with um, resistance training because for me, it's like I get the best of both. Like I get super fit cardio levels through the hit stuff. And then obviously can get stronger through lifting the weights. But I'm not smashing super, super heavy weights. It's more like, you know, dumbbells or a kettlebell like in a circuit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because it's, I'm busy. Like I've got three kids, you know, I don't have an hour and a half, two hours a day to train. So right. I want to be done in sort of 35 minutes. So I've actually yeah. got an app. So the, I've got the, the YouTube channel is the kind of free platform. And then I've got a body coach sort of subscription app, which is going really well. And that's, that's basically a home workout app with tailored meal plans. So I combine the food plan with the training and that's um, helping a lot of people actually. Cool. When did you get into that? Two years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're doing really well, and it's obviously like a it's accessible. So people that don't have like much money or don't have much equipment. So you know, it's really about just getting people that first. It's taking people on that first step just to get in the moving, and they start at beginner level and they sort of work through to the advanced. And yeah, I post a lot of transformations and things from that, which is great. So I I get a lot of satisfaction from seeing the not just the physical transformation, but the actual mental health journey. So when if I do share a picture or a transformation, there's a big caption underneath that says, you know, the mental health benefits and how it's affected their life and their relationships. So although I share the before and afters, it's really much more than that. It's more than just the, the, the fat loss. It's yeah. actually how has it helped their 
relationships with their kids, their yeah. kids, their work, and that's the kind of gold that's underneath, really. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's that idea that it goes back to it's not how you look, it's how you feel. And if you've never gone through a transformation like that, then it's hard to know what it will feel like. But I have gone through a transformation like that. I At one time, like younger in my adult life, was 50 pounds heavier than I am today. And I don't like whatever, weigh whatever. It's not about the weight. But for me, carrying that much extra on my frame, I grew up in a family that has a lot of obesity and um, just absolutely horrendous relationships with food and alcohol. And so I had no examples of what healthy living was. It was something I really had to teach myself over time. But when I finally made the switch, and I mean a switch that you don't come back from, because it is like a yeah, like it's a like a before switch, and after. Yeah. yeah. It's not the body is like, I'm grateful for the energy and like I can go run 10 miles and I can do all these things. But what it did for my mind, for my mindset, for my ability to focus, for my ability to pursue my dreams and chase my goals, I feel like there's this whole group of people who listen to the show who are really pumped up about. They're starting a business. They want a podcast. They want to have their own cookbook or write or do whatever. And they're not understanding that the piece that's missing is not more Instagram followers. It's not an agent. It's not, it's that you don't yet have the mindset you need because you're not healthy in body, mind, spirit, all of it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm a big believer in, you know, internal happiness, you know, get that right first, you know, get your sleep and your exercise and your self-confidence right because it can just, it just, transmits into every other part of your life and one of the biggest benefits to me is as a, as a dad now three kids who are challenging i've got a four-year-old a three-year-old and a seven-month-old they're arguing yeah. all the time <laughs> yeah. they're, they're fighting i'm constantly negotiating with them i'm just constantly trying to stay calm because as a child who was screamed and shouted at as a young kid it's my default setting so 100 i have to channel everything in my life to really be patient and it takes a lot of energy so for me the biggest benefit of ex- regular daily exercise is that when i walk into the room I'm a calm, patient parent. Without it, you know, I do find it difficult. I do get challenged and I do feel like I get worked up and stuff. So for me, if I don't release that tension through exercise, I'll carry it into my day with the kids. So, you know, there's all these kind of benefits that you don't often think about. It's always about losing weight. It's about good, looking good and feeling lean. And that, that's all nice things, but there's so many more benefits to exercise. So many. If you're in a good place mentally, your children flourish, your relationship with your partners improve. So these are the things I always, I bang on about all the time now. It used to be body coach, Joe Wicks, lean in 15, get, get in shape for summer. And I never mention that anymore. It's always the non-scale victories, you know, not about your weight. It's about how you feel. And that's why I talk about that in the book and the introduction, you know, all over the app, all over YouTube. It really is because I've just shifted my mindset because that's what people need to hear. That's what truly motivates you. Not Losing weight, if it was a big enough motivator, we'd all be walking around lean all year round. Right. If, if being ripped was the motivator that worked, we'd all be feeling great in shorts and T-shirts all year round. But yeah. it doesn't really motivate people enough. It, it can for some. But if you focus on all those mental health, ener- the energy, your sleep, your digestion, that's what's going to pull you back to regular exercise and good food. Yeah, for sure. It's worth saying we were talking about moving your body and the importance of exercise. But you mentioned earlier the importance of food. And I think that, especially in this country, I don't know if you feel the same about the UK, but especially in this country, we really struggle with a a total unawareness of how food really affects our body. We're going so fast. 
we're paying attention only to the pleasure of the food as we're eating it, not how it makes us feel 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour later, or the next day, right? We um, are taught to think about having alcohol and the effects of that the next day. Like, we'll have a hangover the next day. But there's a complete lack of awareness of how food affects you later. We're thinking, oh, my back hurts now. Oh, I have a headache. Well, you have inflammation because of what you ate last night for dinner, but you're not aware of that. And then you're treating it with medicine instead of understanding the root cause of what's going on. Yeah, it's so common. And I think unless you're willing to really like look into it and actually do some research or actually face and look at what your diet really is and how it affects you, you're not going to have that moment of clarity. But sometimes it takes just a week of healthy eating just to feel how your body feels, how you're not so bloated, how your digestion's yes. better, you're you know, going to the toilet better, you're sleeping better, you, you're in a better mood. Because if I have a blur, if I go and have a burger and chips and a milkshake and a little tub of Ben and Jerry's, I love it in the moment, but it really does affect my mood. I wake up feeling grumpy, I feel a bit hungover, I don't want to film, I don't want to like cook healthy food. It kind of has this knock-on effect. So yes. I think it's only when you really like know what good food feels like that you can kind of distinct, just see the distinction between eating well and eating junk. Right. But yeah, in the US, you know, we've got a massive obesity issue in the UK. But I think the bigger issue really is, is the mental health crisis. Coming out of the pandemic, people are isolated. People are um, they're disconnected from their friends. And now obviously with social media and, and tech, like they're not even hanging out anymore. So you're losing that connectivity Gosh, between human so beings. so real. You'll know what it's like with teenagers too. Like they just want to be in their room on their, you know, smartphones talking to their friends. So the human element of, of like connection is, is, is kind of broken. And that's what I think is so important to talk about as well. I think... Even if you are exercising, but you've got no social network or you're not talking to friends and seeing your family and having like that, that cuddle every now and again, it's hard to be a happy human. Well, it's also, yeah, it's fundamental for human beings to interact with other human beings. I'm terrified of how many things I'm seeing lately where either I'll interview a doctor or I'll see a doctor on something and their number one piece of advice is like, you have to get off a screen. You have to interact with real people. The fact that we have to advise people on that is so petrifying to me because people are confusing a social media connection or even like I'm going to call someone on the phone and we're going to talk on a video chat. They're confusing that with real human connection and it's not the same. Yeah. I did a really great Instagram live in the UK with this guy. He's a he's a young neuroscientist and he's, he like understands, you know, the, the chemicals, so dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin and um, endorphins. And he said that, you know, He's going to schools in the UK and the average kid, like there's teenage kids doing 16 hours of screen time. So it's not just the screen time that's affecting a their day? brain. It's 16 hours average screen time a day. So you think like that's in a school day. So they're coming home, they're on it till 2, 3 a.m. They're oh, going to God. sleep. It's a yeah. really addictive thing. But I think it's not just the screen that's affecting you. It's the fact that you're not getting sunlight. You're not out, well, you're, pre you're not playing in, the, in nature. You're not with your friends. You're not hugging and, and kissing and cuddling and all these things that as humans we need. So I think, yeah, there's a real issue with you know, technology, which we need to embrace. I love technology. I love social media. I love Instagram and YouTube. I, I live streamed to 100 million people in a pandemic with YouTube. So yeah. I love technology, but I also have the, I have the ability and the awareness to put my phone down, be with the kids, you know, turn it off for a day or two, like really detox. They call it a phone fast. So if you think about fasting with, from food to give your digestive system a little break, Imagine if you put your phone away for six hours or 10 hours, think how that affects your mind. It cleans your mind out. It helps you to feel more present. And I think these are just little tips and strategies that you've got to try and incorporate into your life. Because hmm. otherwise, you know, with, with social media and with work and business, you just want to get sucked in and you think you're only going to be successful if you're on that screen all the time. But if you come away for a few hours and you go back to it, you're probably more productive, more focused and more energized and more kind of 
in love with that process as, as, as opposed to just being on it from the moment you wake up to the moment you fall back to sleep. Yeah. How, if, if someone's listening to this and they're identifying with some of the things you're saying, but they're not sure how to even develop the awareness of where they should start. Like maybe someone's listening they're like, I haven't moved my body in three months other than going to and from work or chasing the kids around. I know that I need an exercise regime and I know that I need to do better with my nutrition, but they feel overwhelmed. Like where do you even begin? Well, that's that's my challenge every day I think about (laughs) that. You've just got to take it back to base. I keep coming back to the three things. Firstly, the sleep is the foundation, right? Like me, I'm really tired because my baby wakes up every hour through the night. So I'm not really myself at the moment. Like, I am the body coach, but I'm not like the fired up, like G'd up, ready to right. go, Mr. Motivator kind of guy. So it affects me massively. So, you know, providing you don't have insomnia or like a two-year-old or a seven-month-old baby, just trying to get a better sleep routine. So putting that phone down an hour before bed, leaving it in another room, um, you know, going to bed on consistency with sleep is really important to so the regularity of the time. So if you go to bed every night at, say, you know, 10 or 11, whatever it may be, that's really good for your circadian room. So try and go to bed at the same time. Um, second thing is just all movement is good for you. So don't feel pressure to follow me and do a YouTube hit workout. If it's too extreme and you hate it and you hate your life and you hate yeah. me, find something that you love. And I think that could be from, you know, going, walk, going to walk the dog in, in the, along the ocean. It could be going to the forest or a park, you know, just move the body. Cause you've got to take the first step just to kind of get your joints moving, wake up your muscles and get yourself feeling good. And that's going to lead on to hopefully more exercise. And the third thing is, is cooking, you know, if you're someone who's really struggled to enjoy cooking, if you don't know how to cook or you've got no confidence, just getting a cookbook or getting, you know, a, a YouTube recipe up or a kind of website with a good blog or whatever, like just picking a recipe and showing yourself that you can follow a recipe and create a lovely recipe for yourself, then that builds that kind of confidence. Um, and then those three things are like in a cycle. So obviously the more you do of each one, the easier everything starts to become. But sleep is definitely the, the foundation because if you're sleep deprived, you don't want to exercise, you're not going to do much, you don't really want to cook and your food choices are really bad by the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. You know, be easy, go easy on yourself and just, you might not do all of those things every day perfectly, but I think if you just get one little thing, I call them daily wins. So could you just go to bed one hour early? That's a win. Or could you cook one recipe this week? That's a win. And although in, in isolation, they don't mean much, but they add up, you know, after a month and a year, those little choices or those little decisions really, really make a difference. Yeah. It's like, there's that old saying that, people always confuse intensity and consistency. So they get really excited. They want to start an exercise plan. They want to eat healthy, whatever. And they'll um, they'll be really intense about it. So for, you know, on Monday, they'll do everything correctly. And on Tuesday, they'll do everything correctly. And then it's too intense. And so they start to lose their motivation and their willpower. And then by Friday, we're back where we were, except now we're pissed and we're demotivated and we're mad at ourselves. And so it takes us even longer to try again. The alternative is, what if you were just consistent for 10 minutes a day? What if, like I, one of my favorite things to ask myself is what's 1% more? How yeah. could I give 1% more? How could I do 1% better? And I think when I was teaching myself about nutrition and trying to make healthier choices, it was easier for me to add things than it was to subtract. I was really bad at diets. They freaked me out. I didn't know how to do one, but I could add greens. You yeah, know, I could things, I just add some things to my current meal plan that allowed me to start taking nutrients that I wasn't taking in. And that little trick in consistent measures would eventually lead me to the place that I could start to make massive gains. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it is over, you know, it is overwhelming, isn't it? When you follow, you've got me, you've got people on Instagram, keto, you've got all these like 
you know, vegan saying this, you've got like the caveman diet. There's just so many messages around there. It's confusing. Super it's so confusing. confusing. And then you've got companies of supplements trying to say this is what you need. And you've just got to strip it all back and just think, right, can I just get back to cooking? Keep it simple, like hold ingredients, you know, is it processed? Is it unprocessed? And just once you start removing some of those, you know, really heavily processed meals that you, you might have or food products and snacks and you have a piece of fruit instead, like that makes a difference. You know, it having does. an apple over, you know, a high energy fruit bar or whatever, like that's been processed through a machine, you know, these little things, they do add up. It does make a difference yeah. to your body. You do have real energy. Yeah, I think it's also about, this is something I was thinking I want to try and figure out how to start explaining to my kids is that current Rachel or current Joe has to do something in support of future Joe or future Rachel. Meaning when you are, if, if I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink water and I'm like, I sort of want a cocktail. But I said that today was gonna be a day where I'm, you know, I'm not gonna have, and that choice is choosing either current Rachel yeah. or future Rachel, because it, it both aren't gonna coexist equally. So if I'm making a decision right now it's setting a future version of myself or it's setting up me tomorrow for a better option tomorrow by making a choice as the person I am today. I don't know if this even makes sense, which is why I haven't no, tried to explain it to my it's kids. Like you're trying to just set yourself up and I suppose it's that thing like people say, oh, you know, I want to start watching TV and going to bed early. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a loser going to bed. No, you're investing in tomorrow. You're giving yourself a chance to wake up tomorrow with real energy, right? ready to smash a workout, ready to cook some food. And so you're like, it's, an, it's, just, it's just shifting your perspective on things isn't it like you know celebrate celebrate an early night like going to bed early is a win oh it's my dream you wake up tomorrow <laughs> and you're you're ready to train and when you do train you've got all the effort and the energy and all those little decisions all those little extra bits of effort that you put into a workout over a week or a month that that makes a huge difference on your body composition over a year because yeah. you haven't been lazy you haven't done half a workout or just plodded along on your phone looking at you know instagram you've woken up with the intention i, I believe in that as well like setting the intention the night before yeah so you know, if you know you're going to have a big day and you've got a long, stressful day ahead of yourself, just commit to that little workout in the morning. Like, say, I'm going to do it. And whatever you, however you feel when you wake up in the morning, the alarm's gone off and you've made the decision, you're going to do the workout. And when you do and you do that session, you get it done. Like, your whole day, everything goes better. Any stress that's thrown at you can just take it on the nose because you've, you've physically exerted yourself. So I do believe that if you can switch to a morning workout, I think it's really powerful for, like, just succeeding in life. Yeah, like you checked a box already. Yeah, if I had to wait until the end of the day to work out, I never would. There's no way. I'm too tired. I've done yeah, too I'm the much same. by the end of I the day. I always find excuses and I'll eat something. I go, oh, you know, yeah. I can't be bothered. I just want to watch TV. Yeah. But I've got to do it as soon as I wait. I like, I like to go to bed at, say, 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. If I can do a workout at 6 a.m. So get eight hours sleep, like, is my dream. Not at the moment it's happening, but 6 a.m. workout, done before the kids are awake. Yeah. And I'm like, done. And that's it. It's done. perfect. And it's already locked in. And then I think... I make better decisions about my nutrition all day long because I don't want to cancel out the work that I, I, I'm just like, you work so hard. Like yeah, also sure. take care of yourself in this way too. If you're going to take care of yourself like that, do it in this capacity yeah. as well. It's about like fueling your bodies. And I, I see a lot of people, they'll smash themselves in fitness and in the gym, but they, and then they just starve themselves. But really, mm -hmm. if you're going to train and physically push yourself, you can eat more food. You can enjoy extra calories. You can refuel your body. And yeah. I think there's a misconception that, if you train really hard, you've got to eat, also, also eat like a rabbit. But really, on it's your rest days, true. eat a bit less. On yeah. training days, eat yeah. more because you're fired up. You're burning energy. You're using all that during yeah. a workout. And you need to replenish your muscles. So, yeah, I think it's just about balance. And no day's perfect. You know, you don't have to track and count every calorie that goes in and out of your body. Because even with an apple, you know, like a watch, it doesn't, it's not bang on. It's an estimate. Same with the food you read in the back of a package. It's all estimates. You're never really going to know your true, like, 
energy expenditure and, and the food in. But if you just get into a nice flow where, you know, you're eating to feel good, you feel energized, you're not thinking about food 24-7, you're not getting to 10 p.m. and binging on biscuits in the cupboard because you've starved yourself all day. And I think it's just about, yeah, like just feeling good, right? Yeah. That's what the book, that's what the title was about. It's just about eat to feel good and everything feels, the, the sleep comes, the exercise feels easier, but you can't, ha you've got to have them all kind of working together in harmony, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. So if uh, the audience is listening to this, where can they grab the book? Where can they follow you? Where can they get the app? Like give them all the juicy details for where to find you on the internet. So my, um, well, my name's Joe Wicks, but I'm also known as The Body Coach. So that's kind of like my fitnessy sort of business name. So it's The Body Coach on Instagram, um, Twitter and Facebook. And the on the App Store um, or the Android Google Play, I think it's called. It's called The Body Coach app. Yeah? And it's really, um, it's really kind of like a, it's almost like a virtual PT in your pocket. You've got everything you need and it's all tailored. So, you know, you really get the meal plans and that to really combine with the training. So, yeah, it's, um, I'm really proud of that. It's helping a lot of people. Cool. Oh, very cool. And the book is available wherever books are sold? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I haven't, do you know what, I, have, I need to go to a bookstore and see it because I've not seen one of my books on store on a shelf here for years. Here? Oh, I only published one book in 2016, yeah. Oh, you got to do that. That's so special. I'm trying to think if there's a bookstore. Well, there used to be a massive bookstore in Santa Monica on Thursday, which I love. Yeah. And it closed down, didn't oh, it? Oh, dang it. But I'm fine on yeah. But any bookstore in the US okay. and Amazon is going to have is going to have a copy of the book. Perfect, Joe. Thanks for hanging out with us. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. Fitness and food, some of my favorite and kids, all the things. Yeah, that's my thing. Just making it you know accessible and giving people a little bit of inspiration to you know live a healthy life because it's life's hard, man. Life can feel tough, but if you are exercising, you're eating well, you can feel a lot easier and you can start to thrive a lot more. That's so real. Amen. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.